the Bible Study Podcast, episode 37. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues looking at why bad things happen to good people with an episode I'm titling, I'll Get By With a Little Help From My Friends. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. For those of you who have not been with us for the last three weeks, we've been dealing with a subject that was asked by one of the listeners, which is, why do bad things happen to good people and what does the Bible have to say about it? This week is going to be a little break from that subject on a tangential issue, but we've been studying in the book of Job, and most of the book of Job deals with how do Job's friends behave, and how do they react, and how do they, quote-unquote, help him in this particular situation. So we're going to look at that. So we're going back into the book of Job, and we're going to start in Job 4. And Job 1, just so you remember, Job, who is a good guy and everything's going well, basically his faith is put to the test because God and Satan are talking, and God says, have you seen how good the faith of Job is? And Satan says, well, sure, because you're protecting him, and if you take everything away, he'll curse your name. And so God allows Satan to take everything away, all his children, all his possessions, and then in Job 2, take away his health. And so the end of Job 2, we see him with none of his possessions and none of his kids. He still has his wife and four friends, as we'll see, and he is sitting on an ash heap, scratching himself with a potsherd, a shard of pottery, and he still refuses to curse God. Which is not to say that he's happy about the whole experience. In Job 3, which we're skipping over, he does spend quite a lot of time cursing the day he was born and saying it would be better if he'd never been born. But in Job 4, finally his friends, his good friends, come to help. And they do what good friends do. These are some of the words that are offered by Eliphaz the Tamanite. If someone ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? But who can keep from speaking? Think how you have instructed many, how you have strengthened feeble hands. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. But now trouble comes to you, and you are discouraged. It strikes you, and you are dismayed. Should not your piety be your confidence, and your blameless ways your hope? Consider now who, being innocent, has ever perished. Where were the upright ever destroyed? As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. At the breath of God they are destroyed. At the blast of his anger they perish. And then since he has so much to say, I'm going to skip ahead to verse 7 of chapter 5. Yet man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. But if it were I, I would appeal to God, I would lay my cause before him. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. He bestows rain on the earth, he sends water upon the countryside. The lowly he sets on high, and those who mourn are lifted to safety. He thwarts the plans of the crafty, so that their hands achieve no success. He catches the wise in their craftiness, and the schemes of the wily are swept away. Darkness comes upon them in daytime, at noon they grope in the night. He saves the needy from the sword of their mouth, he saves them from the clutches of the powerful. So the poor have hope, and injustice shuts its mouth. Blessed is the man who God corrects, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. For he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but his hands also heal. And that's just a section of what Eliphaz has to say to Job in the two chapters right here in chapters 4 and 5. Basically, the first thing we learn is Eliphaz says that Job himself has been a comfort to other people. He has been a good teacher, 
which is interesting because we haven't learned that about Job before. He has been a, a good teacher to those who have been in trouble and has helped set their feet back right. And the indication here, especially based on the second part of what Eliphaz says, the key phrase here is, Blessed is the man who God corrects, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. So do you get the implication here? Eliphaz is saying, I don't know what you did, but clearly God doesn't bring evil. He brings good, so you must have really, really screwed up badly. This is what his friends say. Now, this is, at times, I would have to say, quite possibly the right thing to say. There is quite possibly a time your friends should gather around you and have an intervention. When your life is hard and it's because of the choices that you've been making. This is not what has happened to Job. And, to be fair, Eliphaz doesn't really know why Job had these problems. Eliphaz wasn't in the throne room of God in heaven, which he would have to have been in to find out the real cause of why Job is having problems. He doesn't know that Job is actually having problems because of his great faith, not because of a lack of great faith. And so he assumes that Job must have really screwed up. And basically, as if Job's day weren't bad enough, he has to go now through, let me count, chapters 4 through 31 of Job. So he has to go through 28 chapters of his friends telling him, this must be your fault. Not only did, as if, you know, think about how bad this is. Not only did your children die, but you must have caused it. And I bring this up, it's a little bit of an aside. One, I bring it up because there's 28 chapters in the book of Job, and we're looking at Job, and you just can't avoid this issue here, which is what do we say to each other when we're going through times of trial? When we're going through tough times, let me not even assume a trial, when we're going through, when bad things have happened, and sometimes we make it worse. I know I've talked to our pastors, and talk to your pastor, I hope you're all involved in a local church, this certainly shouldn't take place of that, and I hope you talk to your pastors and ask them the question, what's the stupidest thing you have ever heard somebody say at a funeral? I think the record for that, and I've heard a lot of different things from my pastor that they have heard about why God caused this to happen. Well, unless they've been standing in the throne room of God, I don't even know that they know that. But the stupidest thing is someone who said to a parent who lost a child, well, God must need another angel in heaven. First of all, it's bad theology because there's nothing in the Bible that says when you die, you become an angel. And second of all, what a cruel thing to say and thoughtless. But we don't know what to say. We want to solve this problem for our friends. And sometimes we understand what's happened. If you have a friend who's an alcoholic and they are causing problems to themselves, then certainly do what Job's friend do. Come in, have an intervention, tell them they need to clean up their act, be with them, confront them. I don't think that that's inappropriate. But in this case... Job's friends, his three friends who spend the 28 chapters, now there's a fourth friend who we'll talk about in a second, they don't know what's going on. 
but they assume they do, and in trying to help, they just make it worse. Sometimes the right answer for why did this happen is, I don't know. Any other answer is presumptive. So next week we'll actually look at that fourth friend and what he has to say, because he actually says something wise. And we'll look at all of what Job said, which we're not going to talk about today, and what God finally responds to Job. So Job, unlike the rest of us, actually gets a chance to speak to God about what happened, and we'll see what Job learns from God. We'll see what explanation God gives Job, why these things have happened to him. But I wanted to stop before we got there on these 28 chapters, because I think they should serve as a warning to us to be careful with our words when we're dealing with friends who are in times of trouble. It's okay to just say, I'm sorry. I was sorry to hear this happen. I'm hurting with you. We don't have to try and explain it because, again, if you're not standing in the throne room of God, you may not have the answer. And it's better to not give an answer than to give a wrong answer in times like this. So we'll look at the rest of Job next week, and then we'll go on into some other lessons from the New Testament after that about why bad things happen to good people. So we're not done with this topic yet. We've got at least three more weeks. So come back and join us for that. And if you have any comments on this episode, feel free to leave them at thebiblestudypodcast.com or send me an email at host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. The best and the brightest, served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, Podshow and Limelight. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.